Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Not to just think, oh, I want to get into real estate to make money. You need to learn how real estate investing works first without worrying about how much you're going to earn from the industry. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, I want to ask you, do you have a strategy right now where you are getting leads that come into your inbox while you're sleeping? Do you have a strategy where you are optimized with both Google AdWords and SEO, search engine optimization? If not, then guess what? Today's your lucky day. We've got a free strategy session just for you, and it's with Dan Barrett. If you recognize his name, he was a guest on episode 565, and he is the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash strategy and get a free strategy session to learn with him how to implement an online strategy for your market in both SEO and Google AdWords. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash strategy. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate podcast. And we don't get into any of the fluffy stuff. We only talk about the best advice that moves your real estate investing business forward. And with us today, we have a real estate investor who has been investing for eight plus years, buying, selling, managing, and renovating properties while having his full-time job as a police officer. So first off, thank you for your service. How you doing, David Green? Very good, Joe. Excited to be here, man. Nice to have you on the show. And a little bit more about David. He is a realtor at Keller Williams Realty, and he is also investing, as I mentioned. And he's based in San Francisco, California. You can say hi to him at his website. Just click the link in the show notes page. With that being said, David, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah, no problem. So like you mentioned, I'm a police officer and now I'm also a real estate agent. I split time between those two and that's been going really well. About seven or eight years ago, I started buying rental property kind of on accident. I just backed into a deal. I had no intention of being a real estate investor or a landlord, but I thought that it sounded like a good opportunity. So I took advantage and then I just kind of kept buying a couple houses a year for six, seven years in a row. And before I knew it, I realized that this is actually a really sustainable model and it makes a lot of sense. And it's probably the best thing that I could be putting my money towards. So 
I just kept going with it. Once I caught the bug and realized this was a really big opportunity that I was going to look back 30 years and be so glad I had taken advantage of, I started working a lot of overtime as a police officer and basically making as much as I could to invest in real estate. And that kind of got me off the ground. And now, instead of killing myself working 90 hours a week, I work as a real estate agent on my days off and make the money a lot easier, smarter, and more fun with less chance of getting shot. (laughs) Well, the latter is probably the most important over fun and interesting and things like that. Let's talk about the first property and then we'll get into some specifics on it. So can you tell us the first property? And you alluded to it being a property where you didn't anticipate being a landlord, but can you tell us a story? I had no idea how real estate investing worked at all. I thought it was only people that bought apartment buildings. I didn't know there was very many people buying rental property. I kind of thought the only people who were landlords were people that had owned the property and lived in it and then just moved out and now rented it. I didn't know it was a business model that could be replicated. So I had a buddy that had a house under contract. He was going to buy and move into. This was around 2009 when the market was just terrible in California and every three houses had a foreclosure sign on it. It was crazy. And he said, hey, man, I'm buying this house, but I'm moving away to go to Bible college and I'm going to lose my earnest money because I can't close on it. What do you think about taking a look at it? I said, yeah, I'll go take a look. If I can buy it and you can keep your earnest money, that's a win-win for everyone. And that's about as far as my intentions were. I just kind of wanted to help a friend. So I went and saw this place and it was like five years old and it had sold in the peak for 565000 And now four or five years later, it's He's trying to buy it for 215 and it was really big, like 2,500 square feet, nice. And I thought 215 was a good price. I kind of used Zillow to look at other houses around and saw it was lower than them. So I called his agent and said, hey, Matt can't buy the house. I'd like to buy it. Do you think we could do any better on the price? And she said, yeah, I think so. Let me talk to my broker. Called me back and said, hey, they could do it for 195 And I'm like, are you kidding? It's already a good deal at 215 Sure, I'll do that. So I bought it expecting I'm just going to rent it out for a couple of years. And then when I start a family, I'll move into this house myself and I won't have to buy a house then. I'll already have it. Put it for rent on Craigslist, bought a landlord for dummies book, did everything wrong, hired the guy who offered to pay me more rent than everyone else to be my tenant, didn't do a credit check, just trusted if I treated him well, he'd treat me well. And I got taken for everything. The guy paid two months rent. And then the third month he ended up paying me with my own money, I found out later. And then just wouldn't reply to my phone call, stopped answering, played the game of how long can I drag this out before I get evicted. I was working in a different city, so I wasn't really around to do much of the paperwork filing with the court, and I didn't know anyways. So long story short, he ended up taking me for about $8,000 that he still owes me before I finally got him out of that place. And I (laughs) was ready to quit. I wanted to sell the place and be done with it. If I could have, I would have. Thank God that the market hadn't turned around yet. So what I ended up doing was putting it for rent again, and the next people that came said their property manager had told them about it, and I was like, well, what's a property manager? So they kind of gave me the spiel, and I thought, oh, that's someone I should use. Called that person. They weren't a great one. They were mediocre, but just having even a mediocre property management made it so much easier for me that I realized, oh, this is the way to do it. And next year, I bought another house. The year after that, I bought another one. I just kind of kept repeating that same model. And so I got to where I have about 18 rental properties now. You have 18 rental properties. How are you financing those properties? 
I was doing just the traditional Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac back loans for my first 10 or so. Once I learned real estate was such a wise investment, I kind of structured my whole life to work around real estate. So I made sure my debt to income was really low. I made sure that I had plenty of money coming in consistently. I was able to continue to finance for loans. I claimed everything on my taxes. I didn't do anything shifty so that when I went to go apply for new loans, they could see that there was rental property income from the other ones. Once I hit 10, I had to get a little bit more industrial. So then it turned into finding portfolio lenders, which in my experience was very difficult. You send a lot of emails and make a lot of phone calls, do a lot of networking to find a bank that has a portfolio product that will work for you. I ended up moving out to Arizona to keep buying houses when California got too expensive. And I found a portfolio lender out there that would let me borrow 70% LTV of cost. So I bought three or four properties that way. And then this year, Arizona got to be too expensive. So I started buying in Florida and I found a bank out there that would let me take out a commercial line of credit and secure it by the residential properties that I was buying. So I shifted over to what Brandon Turner at Bigger Pockets calls the Burr method, buy, rehab, rent out, refinance, and repeat. And so now I'm basically buying properties cash, using my cash to rehab them and fix them up and then going back and pulling the money out afterwards. Okay, so the latest financing is you got the commercial line of credit for the acquisition and then you're using your own money to improve it and then you're refinancing once it gets an appraised value, the dollars back out and doing it again. Well, I'm actually not using the line of credit to purchase it. I'm purchasing that with my money too. I'm using the line of credit to pull the money out once it's been purchased and rehabbed. Oh, okay. It's your exit slash way to get into the next property. Exactly. If I do it right and I add enough value to the property through the rehab and buy it right, I can get back either the bulk of or all of my investment when I refinance. So the trick is that I want to be buying properties and fixing them up and coming in at about 75% of whatever the appraised value is. And as long as I do that, I can get money back out and I can buy the next one. So I've been able to tap into some of the equity from the first properties that I bought. And I use that money for either flipping houses or buying these properties right now all cash. And then when I pull the money out on the refi, I can either pay off the equity line of credit or I can put it into the next deal. Will you walk us through the last deal you did? Just want to get a sense of the numbers and what type of deal you're working with. The last one I bought, I haven't refied it yet. I bought a three bedroom, one bathroom house in Jacksonville, Florida. It's got a covered porch in the backyard that connects between the kitchen and the den. So in Florida, they have what they call Florida rooms, which is kind of like an outdoor space that's oftentimes covered with screens so the bugs can't get in there. I target houses like that that have those. This one didn't, but it was very close to it, having the roof extend out and the concrete foundation already poured for the patio. I've been talking to my contractor, and what we're going to do is we're going to turn that outside area, which is about 350 square feet, into livable space. So I'm going to take the den that it connects to, convert that into a master bedroom, and then make the bathroom out of that outdoor area. And then there will be about a third of that area left over that's going to be extend the kitchen backwards. And that way I can make the kitchen bigger and I can get the washer and dryer outside of the kitchen where they are right now. And I can actually put them in a different part of the house that can be used for a utility room. And in doing that, I'm going to spend about $17,000, but I'm going to be adding 350 square feet to the house and making it from a 3-1 to a 4-2. Conservatively, I'm hoping to add about $35,000 to the value of the actual house based on the price per square foot out there. And that's something that I'm starting to look into more and more and more. You know, when we're new, 
we like real estate investing because of, we like this idea of cash flow and passive income and it's awesome for that. But as I've grown, I've realized that the real wealth is made by adding equity to properties and then later converting that equity into cash flow rather than trying to build up your cash flow and just save it until it becomes a lot of wealth. Yeah, it's a lesson I learned after doing many deals. Where my first one, my second one, my third one, single family homes were all just cookie cutter, put a down payment, have someone move in less than $1,000 to get the place ready. But then my fourth one, I attempted to do the value add play. It was an utter flop. That's another story for another time. But I at least had the thought process. Now with the apartment syndication that I do, that is the business model where we force appreciation through a lot of value add tactics. What are some other ways that you have increased the value of homes? You mentioned this one. You've got a Florida room that you're converting and you're taking a three-bedroom, one-bath to a four-bedroom, two-bath. What are other ways? Well, that's my favorite. Right now, that's what I'm targeting is I want to find an area that I don't have to spend a lot of money to convert to the rest of the house. So if it already has a foundation poured, if it already has a roof built, you know, a Florida room is awesome because it already actually has some framing done. All I need to do is add drywall and insulation, and that's not very expensive. And I can pay for some permits with the city and have it turned into part of the square footage of the house. But my favorite method up to this point was to find houses that conform to the real estate concept of functional obsolescence, kind of this idea that this house isn't worth what it should be, not because there's anything wrong with the house, but because of the floor plan is crappy or it's just not big enough for today's family. It only has one bathroom and most people that are moving into a home have more than two people and need more than one bathroom. So I'll look for any time I can buy like a two bedroom, one bathroom house that's bigger square footage than the other two ones. And I'll take like, well, they don't really need a formal dining room. I'll turn that into a bedroom. And if I can cut into the wall on the back end of the existing bathroom and just tap into the plumbing that's already there and make a second bathroom, you might see the value of that house go up 25, 30%, but you're only putting in five to 10% of that money to do the rehab work. I like it. I love it, actually. I don't. <laughs> and it's so simple. It's such a straightforward approach whenever you're doing searches. But it's good to have the concept, but then you have to have the team to execute it and make sure that your vision's played out. You're in San Francisco. These properties are not. One's Arizona, Florida. How do you oversee the team members to make sure they're doing it right? All right. So that is a great question. I get asked that question more than anything else. I'm in the process of writing a book right now where I'm detailing exactly how I do that. The short answer is it's not nearly as different from managing a rehab that's where I live than it is if it's a thousand miles away. The process is the same and technology has grown to a point where it almost feels like you're there without having to be actual in geographical proximity of that location. So a common question I get asked is, well, how do you not get ripped off by your contractor, right? The first answer to that is, well, I almost primarily go by other investors that have done well referring people that they like to me. So I know this contractor has a good reputation right off the bat. The second thing is, if I'm going to hire him to do a $20,000 job, I have him send me an itemized list of everything he's going to do and what it costs. With that list, I can kind of haggle with him on the price of what I'm paying for each thing as well as see, well, this is going to cost me three grand, but I'm not going to get three grand out of value for this one thing. Let's change this around and not do it that way. The other thing that I can ask him to do is 
if I say, okay, 20 grand, this is all the stuff I'm going to get, what are you going to do first? And they're usually going to say, well, we're going to demo the house. We're going to put some dumpsters in front. We're going to order the tile, and we're going to put the flooring down in this part of the house. And I'll say, okay, I'll give them a quarter of whatever that 20 grand is, so $5,000. And then when it's done, I'll say, I need you to go and take me a video of what you did and pictures and send it to me. Now, I don't always actually have the contractor do it. Usually I have the contractor do it, and then I also send by either my real estate agent or my property manager or a partner that I have in the area who also invests in real estate doesn't mind helping me out. There's always somebody when you start looking into new areas that you're meeting all kinds of people, and if they live close by, they won't mind stopping by and just sending you some more pictures to make sure that it's all on the up and up. Once I get the thumbs up from both people saying the work's been done, I send them the next $5,000 and I let them work on the next part of the project. I think most people look at it like it's this all or nothing idea, like either it's going to go perfect or it's going to be a huge disaster and the cost of it going wrong is just too scary for them to take the jump into investing. But there's a lot of ways you can divide this into several small bites and just kind of take it a step at a time. And it becomes much less scary because if you find yourself wandering off that path, you only want to step off. One more step, you could be right back where you were and moving on again. Hmm. Why don't you use your property management company and have them oversee it versus you being more involved? It's a great question too. So I've found that what property management company want to charge me to oversee it is just not worth what I get out of it. If the full rehab is going to be 10 grand, which a lot of the time it is because I get really good prices on my contractors, they want me to pay 3500 for them to oversee the project, and I'm not paying 35% of the value of the entire rehab for someone to do something that I can do myself just using technology. Another reason is that while property managers are worth their weight in gold, in my opinion, just because you don't want to be a manager of a property, and I don't think they get paid enough, I would never want to do that job. If they're making 8% to have to be constantly dealing with the worst part of real estate ownership, they don't have the time to put into it that I do. They're not getting paid much. They're trying to basically get in, get me something that works and get out and put the littlest amount of time into it that they can because they got to be off to doing something for the next guy. No one is ever going to care about your property as much as you care about it. And very few people are going to do as good of a job as you can once you have that skill set, just because it's not in their best interest to get you the very best price. Like they may take an extra four hours and save you 10% and you would never know it. They just said to you, hey, this is what you're going to pay. And you say, okay, and you move on. They don't really get credit for that work that they did. So a lot of the times they don't do it. I like to manage it myself just because I know these contractors dealing with me directly. If he burns me, I'm not going to use them on the next one. So there's a level of honesty right there. I can see exactly what I'm paying. I can go back and say, dude, I don't need to pay you that much to hang some doors. Come on. It takes maybe an hour a door. I'm not paying you 400 bucks to put in the door just for the labor costs. Stuff like that that your property manager is probably more likely to look at and say, well, it does fit within his budget. We can make it work. You've got 18 properties. Are they properties or units? Those are actual properties. Okay. So you have 18 single family homes. Yeah. I have one fourplex mixed in there, but yeah, they're all pretty much. All right. How do you keep track of insurance payments and P&Ls and just the numbers and all the details that are involved with that? Because when I had four single-family homes, I have three now, when I had four, it was too much for me and I had the four. It's ironic because a 250-unit apartment community, in my mind, is just easier to keep track of because there's more of a formalized system. So what do you have from a system? 
Oh, that's such a good question too. When everybody else hears about out-of-state investing and they're like, I just don't know how you do it. I would need to see the property myself. To me, that's such a silly concept. You don't need to see it. You don't see Apple's headquarters before you buy stock in Apple. You just trust that it's there because everybody else is telling you that it's there. That's not the scary part. The scary part is what you said. All the insurance policies, all the property tax payments, all of the money that you're sending out to different people for doing maintenance work or making sure they get paid. That's probably one area that I would love if any of your listeners knew of a system where like I could hire someone to pay all my property taxes for me. With the first eight to 10 loans I did, I set them up on impound accounts, which was awesome. I'll probably keep um, what? Impound? My mortgage payment is made where they also collect the taxes and insurance. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, right. that's what I have to do. Yep. Now that I'm working with this Burr model and commercial lines of credit, they won't do that. They don't offer that service. And I get caught up in the weeds all the time trying to take care of that. I'm looking to hire an assistant right now just because mm -hmm. I've realized that it's too much stress trying to keep up with it. Whereas if I could pay somebody and then find something else for them to do it in the meantime, that might help my real estate agent business, it would be worth it. I think that that is the number one reason why most investors graduate to the model that you're doing right now. And I hope to be one of those people someday because you can have 250 units, but it's one property. It's one management company that's overseeing everything. And it's one person sending you an email saying, we need you to do this. It's not 250 different ones. Just like insurance checks and just all sorts of things. I would just be so annoyed by writing checks who still takes checks through the mail and not electronic but certain insurance companies or whatever i remember just didn't do that so accident they won't let you send oh, it. yeah that still happens too and it drives me nuts yeah that's insane well what is your best real estate investing advice ever i would say the best thing i can tell people is not to just think oh i want to get into real estate to make money you need to learn how real estate investing works first without worrying about how much you're going to earn from the industry the people who don't do well rush into it before they really understand the fundamentals of what's going on and they get knocked out of the fight. If you start off building your education and you feel like you could kind of run a mock property without any help, you understand the fundamentals of what goes into it, you'll find that these patterns start to emerge the deeper you get into this where you start finding things like what I was saying, turning a 2-1 into a 3-2 and adding square footage onto a house or buying properties all cash because you can get such a better price because you eliminate a lot of the competition when it comes to who else can buy it and then adding value and pulling the money out later. Some of the properties that I buy this way, only 3000 of my own money gets left in them and they cash flow $400 a month. Even if something went terribly wrong and my cash flow dropped down to 100 for the 3000 I have put in there, that's still really good returns. You don't really understand that stuff when you're new. And if you don't take the time to learn these fundamentals, you can get burned. So my advice to the best real estate ever listeners would be start with your education, be on biggerpockets.com, listen to podcasts, read books, take time to build that up before you jump in and say, I'm ready to get rich. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Empire Industries, a national award-winning company and the fastest growing property management company in Houston, would like to offer you, best ever listener, a 30-day love us or leave us guarantee. Contact Empire Industries at 888-866-6727 for more info. That's 888-866-6727. Best ever book you've read. The Richest Man in Babylon. Best ever personal growth experience. What'd you learn from it? That very first house that I bought. 
and getting absolutely taken by the tenant who was much better than I was and learning I need to hire people that are better at doing these things than I am and pay them to do their job. Best ever deal you've done. That fourplex I mentioned earlier, that thing was awesome. It makes me about 1800 a month right now, and I think that my total investment left in it's about 30000 How'd you come across that fourplex, and where is it located? That's in Manteca, California. It's kind of a bedroom community that goes into the Bay Area. An agent that is now, her name is Cindy Foster. She's an agent with Remax in Manteca. It's like a second mom to me. I love her to death. She owned it, and she bought it at a foreclosure for 130000 on the courthouse steps. We went to look at it, and the owner's dog attacked her and bit her leg, and I actually drove her to the hospital and sat there with her the whole time while she got her shots and everything and chased (laughs) off the dog. And she was so happy with the fact that I did that. She sold it to me for like $40,000 less than what it was probably worth. So I ended up picking it up for two fifty, dollars and it rented for $800 a unit. Now it rents for $950 a unit, and it's appreciated quite a bit. And she's rabies-free? Rabies-free and a very good friend of mine now. (laughs) What's the best ever way you like to give back? I speak at a conference called One Life Fully Lived. It's uh, one of my very first real estate mentors named Tim Rhodes started it. The plan is you teach people how to dream, plan, and then live their ideal life instead of just kind of taking whatever life gives you and just assuming that that's all you're ever going to get. I'm real involved in that community. I also belong to a group called Go Abundance, which is kind of like a wealth building fraternity of men all over the country. And we have a group belonging to that called M1 that are aspiring millionaires. And I spend a lot of time mentoring them because I really respect the fact that they're putting themselves out there, setting a goal and doing their best to achieve it. I've had a, a couple of GoBundance guests on the show and certainly I've enjoyed those conversations. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? I was way too conservative. We preach this all the time because we're just kind of coming out of this time when real estate was uh, everybody lost their shirt because they didn't understand the fundamentals. They paid too much. The properties didn't cash flow. So we preached this whole, be careful, be careful. And you do need to be careful. But I was in a such stronger financial position. I don't have a family. I didn't have to worry about any other bills. I should have been leveraging myself as much as I could and picking up as many of these deals as I could. The market was down in 2010. And I would probably have a net worth about a million and a half to two million higher had I done that. My biggest mistake was doubting myself and doubting the numbers. And thinking of what could go wrong instead of what could go right. What's the best place the best ever listeners can reach you? You can find me on Bigger Pockets. You can find me on Facebook at David Green 24. There's an E at the end of Green. And then you can also find me on web blog that I run, greenincome.com. Again, there's that E at the end of Green. A lot of the stuff I write for Bigger Pockets gets put on there. And then I have a lot of other wealth building articles, calculators, spreadsheets, podcast appearances, stuff like that. Yeah, I've been on Green Income dot com and tons of really good articles. I best ever listeners recommend you going to check that out. Just really surprised me how many articles you do love to write, don't you? I never knew that I did. It wasn't until I did the podcast with Bigger Pockets and then I said, Hey, do you guys mind if I write some blog articles? And they went over so well. I think that I'm passionate about sharing how powerful real estate investing is and writing is easier than trying to set up speaking appearances and stuff like that. And when you're writing or doing something that you love, it usually just is easier to do it well. I think that's probably what it is. Yep. I think that's a life lesson as well. Well, David, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for sharing your advice with the best ever listeners, your business model of now how it's evolved to finding something that you can do to enhance the property's value. And in particular, you're finding that one example, the three-bedroom, one-bath with the Florida room, 
and you convert it into a master bedroom, you add a bathroom, and you're going from a three-bedroom, one-bath to a four-bedroom, two-bath, and increasing the value perhaps 30% whenever you're putting that five or so percent into it. And then also overseeing the contractor and the ways that you mentioned you do that, referrals from other investors, having an itemized list of what they'll do, knowing what they'll do first, make sure you're compensating them for that, then getting some local eyes on the ground to check it out or at least a video from them. So again, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for telling us how you scaled your business so far and look forward to staying in touch. Have the best ever day. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much, Joe. It was awesome. You take care, man. Empire Industries, a national award-winning company and the fastest growing property management company in Houston, would like to offer you, best ever listener, a 30-day love us or leave us guarantee. Contact Empire Industries at 888 888- 866-6727 for more info. That's 888-866-6727.